the record, right? So let's talk about this movie. The, the Hold movie. on. Oh. Welcome back to Off the Record with Nick and Trey. Hello. We're here, hanging out, talking, uh, living, making music, and we're, you're invited to come along with us on our journey of tangents and exploration into the unknown and the uh, interesting. Moderately interesting. Um, last week, we talked about Spanx. We got kicked off real tight with Spanx. Uh, Super tight. Kind of went on for a little bit, which is okay. We also talked about Elon Musk, and yep. we talked about um, WikiLeaks, which is funny because a couple weeks ago we talked about open source uh, mentality, mm-hmm. which so that's kind of an ongoing theme is like free thinking or free thought, free resources. Free everything. Free Free shit. And this week, um, we got some other things to talk about, like NASA, oh, and movies, and music, and surprises that maybe we don't even know until we get there. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. Don't worry about it. Um, yeah, so thanks for hanging out. Uh, before we get started, you might as well subscribe to the podcast, because we like having you around. Uh, Fridays, 5 a.m. Pacific time, we post it. Why don't you hop on there and take a listen? Thanks. Uh, yeah. All right, so, The Beyond. The, uh, yeah, The we, Beyond. We just we, say, yeah, it's a movie on Netflix, um, and it's got, like, some <clears throat> strong uh, sci-fi... Uh, documentary style narrative, right? Yeah. Um, I just watched this movie like f- on Sunday and I was stoked about it. I thought it was very cool. It's like I was kind of on the edge of my seat like the whole time. Um, it's very engaging. There's a lot of cool themes, a lot of cool ideas uh, being explored in this movie. Um but I guess you you watched it a long time ago and told me to watch it. I watched it a couple weeks and ago. I forgot about it until I watched it. And then I came here saying, like, dude, you got to watch this movie. And then you, you literally told me to watch it. So before we get into the details of this, The Beyond came out in 2017. That's, that's like at least nine months ago because it's September 2018 right now. Mm-hmm. Let's re- I'm going to read the synopsis. The Beyond. TVPG. TVPG. How many good movies have you seen that are PG lately? Whatever. Uh, A team of robotically advanced astronauts travel through a new wormhole. A new one. A new one. But the mission returns early, sparking questions about what was discovered. It's not a great synopsis of the movie. There's something a lot bigger going on. Yeah. Like, they should have used the word mysterious. Yes. There's a lot of mystery involved. Because they're um, trying to figure out what's going on. Um, the so movie's incredible. Ju- just in case, we'll put a spoiler alert here. Yeah, um, spoiler. I don't want to go too far into the story of it mm-hmm. in case. But since, you know, we've both seen it and maybe people who are listening haven't seen it, uh, there may be spoilers. Yeah, so if you haven't watched it, why don't you bookmark our podcast, go watch it on Netflix, uh, and then come back. It's only an hour and a half long. And it's worth it. It's so good. 
That's yeah. This is probably one of the best released on Netflix shorty cut down movies that I've seen. I, can, I don't understand why it's so short. I'm assuming that they added it a little bit. Yeah, or something. Extremely low budget though. Like if you watch the movie, there's not a lot. Like the effects are not very polished, which is fine. Like I don't care about that at all. But a lot of the shots are like just documentary style, like in an office somewhere, people talking. I think maybe like the most expensive thing that I saw in the movie was like the uh, the robotics suits and shit like that. Yeah, you know, but what it's I mean? all most of it is practical stuff. They built yeah. it. They did it. They for made sure. it for sure. And I, I appreciate that. Me too. It's it seems very low budget, but it's like a freaking like I never felt like held back by the. The lack of good effects? Yes. Yeah. I, like I, I, I felt like even if the effects were like kind of whatever, like it was still so engaging. And like, I yeah. was, like I said, like I was like kind of into it the whole time. Like there was, there wasn't really a, any lulls in the story or like the, the so, progression. Of so the let's story. do a quick, a quick uh, walkthrough of what the movie was about. So if you're listening, you haven't watched it, pause here. Come back later. If you have watched it, you're going to hear what you already know. Or skip ahead like uh, maybe five minutes. Skip ahead to 18 minutes. Again, that's 18 minutes. I'll nice. put that in. Nice. That's, that's, some, that's very advanced advanced technology that you just, uh, just demonstrated right there. I, I just tr- time traveled. You did. Um, <laughs> so uh, the movie's about... A uh, a bright light by the spaceship by the by the international inter- space station. the space station. There's like a uh, there's like an orb of like dope spectral cosmic shit that just appears near the space station. All the all the readings go all weird. There's a there's the guy um, out on a spacewalk. Yeah, he's he's doing some repairs on the space station. He gets sucked up by they call it the void. Yeah, it's like a it's like a cosmic orb. But nobody could see anything. Nobody yeah. knew. There's a lot of bright lights and shit. And then he's just gone. So there's a space agency that is sort of uh investigating this anomaly, right? And uh they send like a couple of probes in there like like basically satellites they just kind of send them in there and they just disappear and there's no signal um and then they realize that they have to send someone into the void um and and, and i guess they suspect that it's a wormhole um there's some like physicists that are like basically saying like oh this is like a wormhole right yeah so their their whole idea is that they want to send astronauts through the wormhole to investigate what's on the other side because they get they get a glimpse of they got a glimpse of uh another planet another planet on the other side but it like really vague very vague so they there's a lot of mystery involved they don't really see anything and it's all just kind of like guesses but they team up with some super secret like military agency 
who has been developing this tech, this transhuman technology where they literally build, they have built uh, robots or like robotic like suits Bod- bodies that that you can put a human brain into and the brain assimilates into the robotic structure yeah and the the human whose brain it is becomes this robot they can they can control it as if it's their body yeah and but their face their heads in there right the brain is in there and it's sustained but there's a face there is a face, but that's that's like they they uh, model it. Remember they they, uh, they like yeah they do scans of the the human mm-hmm. face and then they model the robot's face after the person. And I, I'm sure that's just like an afterthought. Like they're like, well, we got to put an actual person in this suit, <laughs> so we need to come up with something to make sure that it makes sense that it's it's their actual face on the robot. Yeah, but. <clears throat> um, the whole thing is like the the robot exoskeleton or whatever um, houses this brain and like feeds it glucose and like other essential chemicals for the brain to like like oxygen survive some yeah and it's like padded to where like you know it could sustain um, impact and stuff like that um, so there's this whole thing where like the robot skeleton or the robot suit like um is sort of designed to sustain an organic brain inside of it but also like interface it with the with the uh machinery of the of the suit so there's all these like it basically reads like synapses and stuff like that of the brain to like make like make the robot be able to so, so around what like, that does, like a human, and it gives the brain, the person, the sensation of feeling what the bot, the suit feels. Yeah, so like, they can like, feel their touch. Yeah, so like the the person that was uh, put into it, like she said, like she she put her fingers together and she could feel the pressure, but no pain. Like she felt like pressure, so she could feel. Like it was her body, but there it was absent absent of pain. So the the idea and the reason why they used this um, robot suit or whatever is that they were gonna have them travel through the wormhole, and because it's not an like an organic body, it won't be subject to the weird physics that a wormhole a wormhole would would put on a human body but it will represent humanity that was the idea yeah a human form a humanoid form will go through so if there is alien life they will uh have context to what the people are that sent yeah 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 and actually one this is a part of the story is like one of the probes they sent had a hard drive uh attached to it so it was kind of like like uh, on the vo- one of the Voyager uh, probes, there's there's a disc or something that contains like human anatomy and like language, music, and a bunch of like human uh, artifacts 
for if if anything were to find the Voyager probe, they'd be able to decode our uh, our record of of that information. So there's there's an element of that as well where they have this hard drive that has like a a bunch of video and images and sounds and stuff that like sort of depict what earth is like. Yeah. Um, that was sent in one of the probes prior to that didn't, that they lost. Yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty interesting. I'm assuming that anybody listening now has seen it or doesn't care, um, you know, to like for the spoilers, what was your, what was your favorite part of the movie? Um, I loved all, all of that sciencey stuff behind like getting there. That's fun, you know. I I actually thought the like because the whole trans transhuman thing was sort of a tangent. Like it it was like a means to an end a little bit. Sure. And I kind of was I, like I kind of liked that because I was kind of surprised. I didn't expect it to bring that element of like a sci-fi trope into the movie. Like I, I was assuming that it was just like a, like a, I don't know, like a alien encounter type movie. But then they, they wrapped in this whole other trope into the movie where it's like this, like, I don't know, interfacing human consciousness into a machine. Yeah. And I, I fucking love that shit too. So I was like surprised. I was like, oh shit, this is like a multi-level sci-fi film. I like, uh, one thing I really liked about the movie, aside the, aside from the, it was really kind of political. Mm, mm-hmm. Like there was a lot of, of government fearing what we don't know. So let's destroy it. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of that, which is good. That's how people are. Humans yeah. are terrified of what they don't know and yeah. making it go away is easier than trying to understand it. Yeah. But the end when there's another planet and then the, they even mention this, they're like, cool. Now these robot, these cyborg people are going there. They're the ones that are starting to get this thing built. They're colonizing. Exactly. But I thought it was interesting that during that part, I remember them saying like another political thing. It's like, well, who gets to go there? Our world's failing. Who gets to go to that new world? The rich people, you know, they kind of mentioned that, which I think is really interesting. Yeah. Which segue, there is uh, some news, Elon Musk related. Um, I don't know if you heard about this, but there is a Japanese billionaire that paid Elon Musk to be um, the first civilian person to be flown to the moon and he's taking like i think like six to eight artists with him and they didn't disclose how much he paid to have this done but i guess it it was announced at some like i think it was today or yesterday um i didn't hear about the artist part yeah so there's like some japanese billionaire that paid spacex to go around the moon to fl- yeah, fly to the moon. Yeah, that's crazy. It's like a week long journey or something like that, and he's taking a bunch of artists with him um, to come back and and do some rad, I don't know, creative shit with it, with their experience or whatever. Um, but yeah, 
like what what you were saying about that movie like yeah it's like the first <laughs> it seems like that's expected is that like the first um civilian common people that are not like scientists or military would be the ones to like voyage out into space first because they can fucking afford it you know yeah that's crazy i did see this dear moon dear moon i saw this today and i was not really sure what uh what i even meant anyways that's that is a good segue anyways you should watch beyond the beyond the beyond the beyond there's some cool themes in there um some cool science in there really exciting really engaging uh it's a fun watch you should watch it really fun it's it's kind of serious but it's uh inspiring it's it's inspiring and it's supremely surprising from as like a netflix released movie or you know it's released on netflix i don't know um independent cerebral mind bending and understated yeah understated for sure yeah it's really good the beyond what did you guys think about the beyond send us a thing on twitter or instagram thanks so on the subject of uh space travel nick spent the whole week in california doing some uh social media filming and interviewing Mm -hmm. for a satellite launch i sat to um did you hand me that stack of stuff? <clears throat> Actually, no. I sort of talked about it last time <clears throat> on the podcast, but now he he's back and back. he's got some stories to share about the about the, the experience and the experience and the people and everything. Yeah, it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. Uh, if any of you have ever dreamed or dreamt of being a part of NASA or being at private secret NASA places or watch movies and thought NASA was cool. It pretty much was uh, all of those types of childhood dreams coming to a head and being like really unbelievable, but then also like really a sobering reality of what adult life is. You know, it's like when kids think they want to be a fireman, they're like, that's so cool. Then it's like, you know, some firemen, it's just like some dudes that just like hang out and play ping pong. And then they, go fight fires, which is really noble and really awesome. But it's like, there's, there's no, there, there's no such thing as like superheroes. There's just people who do things that seem really awesome. Yeah. Especially the kids. Kids are really influenced by that. So me being a kid at heart, I went in there and was like, holy shit. I was really excited. Uh, the first day we got there, um, we had, it was, it, a lot of you might know this, and I, you, I think I've mentioned this to you, um, but you probably know all this too. But I didn't really know what to, I didn't really know what it takes to launch a rocket, anything. I like, if I wanted to launch a, a freaking storage unit into space, I thought like maybe you find 
you get however much, 100 million, 50 million, and you just kind of strap it at the, into a rocket and just let it rip and, and get clearance. You could get clearance. And maybe you can... I, uh, SpaceX is kind of cutting out all the middlemen, which I didn't really know what the middlemen were until I went on this. But, um, but launching your own stuff into space, it's not going to happen for a while there's a lot of people involved. Uh, so the first day we went there and we went to Vandenberg airport, airport, Vandenberg air force in air force base in Lompoc, California. Learned how to say that from the locals. Uh, and we did a ton of security stuff. And then we got on the, we all parked our cars and got on these big buses and drove all like 40 people, 40 of us, like social media people on these tour buses like things and we drove probably a quarter mile to the first building because they don't want you driving or walking around on your own so you they literally drive you and we went into this big hangar where the satellite was literally assembled okay doors that are huge like i post them on my instagram stories but it, like they were open when we got there it was just the biggest da- fucking doors you've ever seen you walk in and there's like, there's these curtains and we walk in the curtains and it's like set up as a press room for NASA TV, which, so it's like a military grade, like rocket hanger that is, that has black curtains that are probably eight feet tall set up in a little room inside the hangar that then it's like tables and chairs and that's it. Like a convention or something. Totally. Like a, like a little corner of the convention. Yeah. Um, with curtain, black curtains around it, which was, which was cool and exciting. And then the first day was really just, uh, introducing the teams that were the scientists behind the NASA side that were like working on the ice missions. Then they introduced some of the United launch Alliance side, which is the, this is where this is where I started to like not understand what was going on because I don't understand all the people involved. But the ULA is what they're called. They're the ones that are actually launching the rockets. They are the rocket people. Mm-hmm. Uh, NASA is a like a, a a client. NASA is considered the same as Comcast. Yeah. Comcast wants to launch a new satellite. They have to pay to have United Launch Alliance and the Air Force because the Air Force, their job is to keep people safe. Yeah. So it's like. So it's almost like a, like an airport where it's like the airport lets United Airlines be, have like a couple gates. Or if or you're whatever. a private plane. Yeah. Cool. To take off, you have to pay, you have to pay this much to, to take off or land. You have to pay this much to. For the time or the gas, the refilling of your tank, whatever. Yeah. It's like, that's exactly what it's like. Yeah. And I thought that you would think that since the Air Force and NASA are both government agencies, that they would be, they would be kind of considered one in this, but they're totally not because yeah. they have very different goals. NASA is purely scientists and not defense people. And uh, and NASA does not know how to fly jets or even satellites. They know how to read the data from the satellite. Yeah. 
So it's really fascinating. First day was kind of a, it was literally meet and greet. And we got to see these presentations. NASA TV went live. We got to see them, which was cool. Um, we were all there shooting. We sat in that room for like four hours, three hours, which is a long time when you're like stoked to see fucking rockets, <laughs> to sit in a tiny room watching people just talk in front of a screen and like TV personalities too, which yeah. Don't get me wrong. NASA TV does a great job, and they're very, uh, um, they're very focused on being um, kind of catering to all. That's how TV is. Yeah. The smiles, the way they talk, yeah. the way they direct conversation is really professional. Yeah. It's approachable. Approachable to the layman. Yes. So for day one, we were all like, "What are we supposed to shoot?" You can't shoot three hours of sitting in a chair. Yeah. So that that was day one. And they were like, cool, we're done. That's it. Bada bing, bada boom. And that's like, I, we were all kind of losing hope that it was going to be as cool as we thought. And the next day, day two, the, day two is when it got, it started getting, that was Thursday. Day two is when it started getting crazy. Like we had to be there a little earlier than we were supposed to be. So like 10 o'clock, we were at NASA or at uh, Vandenberg, this entrance. And then we went like right into it. Like it, there was no time to dilly dally. We went to the Western Range Operations Control Center, which is literally in the movies when you see NASA sitting in the room with the, with the radios. A with bunch the, of computers and a big screen. Yeah, but and they're all like each row of people is different groups. Yeah. And like the, the, like everybody's there launch control, the, the ULA, uh, the NASA, NASA, whatever head of NASA, whatever, whoever the hell, um, and the air force people. And that's just, that's just the communications room <laughs> to be able to see what's going on, communicating about approvals and making sure everything's going the way it needs to. And leading up to launch, we got to see that. Then we went to this, um, weather room, where they were just like looking at the at the how the weather was going to work on that day, and if anything, weather or people or planes or trains or boats were in the, the, this proximity, they can see all of it on the radar, and so they had literally get people to get those people out. They had to stop. Be like, hey, get the fuck out of here! It was crazy. Watch the rocket over here, and that was pretty cool because we had to see, we're in the room. This is in this whole building. We weren't. It was called the Rock. <laughs> <laughs> Dwayne Johnson, or with Nicolas Cage and Sean Connery. That's also The Rock. You're right. <laughs> Neither of those. I I was very tempted to ask if this is what the movie The Rock was based off of, just to be funny. And you would get nothing. It was stairs. But that's because the movie The Rock is like just a prison, right? Yeah. And then well, it's Alcatraz. Yeah, exactly. And so, and this is like actually cooler than that. So I felt like it wasn't the joke wouldn't even land because it's like, it's funny that it would be a Nicolas Cage movie. I'm glad you didn't, you didn't embarrass yourself. I'm trying to represent us well. But The Rock, we couldn't even have our phones, smartwatches, your cameras, nothing. We, we couldn't bring anything in there. And that was by far the coolest place we had seen so far. Yeah. And if, But from that weather room and that climate testing, whatever, we went to this last room where it was like the dark rooms with screens. And they were like vertical, like 
uh, they have like filing cabinets of screens and then they'd tilt in and these chairs were in there and they would just sit there up in these screens that are like tilting over them like a J almost upside down J and they're sitting there doing all their shit. And this is where if anything happens with the rockets, they can literally blow it up. Every rocket is built with a kill kill switch. Yeah. Where they, something blows up and it splits the side of the rocket to where it just dies. Yeah. And the girl that the U.S. Air Force girl that was there, she was she was the highest energy person I've ever seen. Literally, she was so stoked about everything. She was like jumping around, talking about every screen. Then, like, and it cracks me up that you can't go to any of these places without hearing. 500 acronyms for something you have no idea about and they never tell you they're telling us like all these i don't even i still don't even know what i ice ice and ice sat means ice in ice sat sat is for satellite i get ice that. is ice clouds and elevation that's so dumb because that's what it's testing it's reading <laughs> But I get it now. It's the second one. But now I know that's one acronym. I know, and but that I one can only that's imagine. Like, think about it's like the military. They have acronyms and and nicknames for everything, and they say things like, "If the rocket goes oh, goes squirrely, that's a that's a description that multiple people used, or they used if it's not kosher, like if something's not kosher. I'm like, is that an actual federal like? military term <laughs> something's not kosher if it's not kosher blah 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 and she was talking like freaking thousand words a minute and then uh she let us off press the arm anybody who wanted to press the yellow arm switch and the the fire switch to blow up the thing just for fun which was really cool that was by far the most fun room because she was intense and 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 like enthusiastic and then well, she know. gets to blow up rockets. I mean, totally. That's pretty fucking awesome. Um, so that was cool. From there, we went to uh, a bunch of other places that were dope. We went to... Hmm, let's see. Oh, we got to see this interactive uh, screen thing that this was in between the big event things I like where, your vaporwave background right there cool? I, I down, just downloaded like 40 vaporwave uh, backgrounds I love that um, but but NASA has all these free visualizations on their web they have everything that they make is free for in creative commons to use yeah because it, we pay for it as taxpayers and one thing is this oh okay? shit this, this isn't high res but I have all the high res pings that we're, I'm going to use this for something this I'm showing Trey this visualization of um, salt, dust, and carbon. Yeah, aerosols around the globe and their patterns over. You can see the days. That's one day. Yeah. And that's carbon. So that's like anything, like burning fires. Fuck, look at China, dude. It's crazy. And this is. They're carboning all over the place. Oh, you can see the hurricane, too. Do you see it? There's, I, I don't know if those are hurricanes. Those look like hurricanes. Probably. But well, this, yeah, there, there's that hurricane right there. 
I was watching that on Thursday and Friday. I mean, this was like right now. So we got to see probably 15 visualizations like this that were really, really incredible. This one in particular at really high res is hypnotic. Like I it, can't believe it, it, dude. That's that's like that's so detailed, and it's so well animated too. That's the thing. And what's here's what blows my mind. And this was shown to us by this dude, um, John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. John Jacob. Oh, here it is. Steve Graham. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the principal outreach scientist. And he showed us all these visualizations. And like, what's nuts is like a lot of this stuff, a lot of the weather, they don't get the weather only from like uh, Doppler and stuff like that. They actually pull from hundreds and hundreds of sources. Like every single plane has a weather detection unit mm -hmm. so it can sense what it's going into. Every single plane's data live is transmitted and collected by NASA and, and put into showing a global weather system by every single plane, every single local weather, like collection. It's like crowdsourcing the data. Which that's how the world should work. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I do think so that that was really cool. Check out the NASA visualizations. They have a NASA Viz app now on iOS that you can they'll give you daily dope stuff like this, and you can go and download it and use it for something. Dude, if you look want. at this little this little storm just goes right up past England. What's crazy? Like oh, there's a lot of burning of like Africa burns a lot of stuff um, because. It's just kind of a typical thing that they burn mm -hmm. waste. Uh, but in the, the Sahara, these visualizations show, and, the, and Steve, the guy talking, was from Florida. And he said that it's not uncommon to, like, go out and on your car, there would be, like, gold red dust. And it's literally from, from the Sahara from, Desert. From the Sahara Desert. That's fucking because so that's Because that's literally insane. how it goes. Isn't that crazy? That's insane. Um, it was cool. So um, then we talked to this heritage dude, this the JP, JP Pritchard, is that his name? That guy was really freaking inspiring. He helped uh, put together their heritage, Jay Pritchard, Jay, whatever, um, director of the Vandenberg Space and Missile Heritage Center, because Vandenberg is where they started the U.S. in the Cold War, started the missile uh, system, yeah. uh, like research and tests. So they, on the base, they showed us like, that's where the first freaking rocket was tested and blew up and failed. It went like four feet up and then it crashed down and exploded. Yeah. It was really inspiring. Uh, it's depressing that it was all focused on ballistics mm -hmm. and like war, but it's transformed. And the heavy part of this whole, the whole ISAT story was that, um, this is the last Delta II rocket. The Delta II rocket is technology that they literally developed in the 50s and 60s. Mm -hmm. So this is, and what they did is they built a ton of them. Now they have all these rockets that they are using and they are finally at the end of those rockets. 
And so this was the very last one. And they were, they've been the most successful, uh, I think the most successful rocket forms that, that we've known. Yeah. The Delta. Well, for, yeah, for like delivering a payload into orbit, right? Yeah. Uh, which is cool. So now, of course, we've got like the Falcon 9 from SpaceX and the Falcon 9 Heavy, which is going to launch those dudes in, to the freaking moon, around the moon. And, they, and then they have... Uh, a bunch of others. I'm not really a rocket dude. I'm not really a rocket man, man. But it was really cool. Uh, so then, of course, the whole the whole week ended. That night, we went and got to see the launch pad. Slick 2, or I don't know. We got to see the launch pad. Um, and it was dope. And it was so big. Uh, and we um, hung out there while the sun was setting and all filmed a bunch of stuff. And the, the rocket was the, the cover, the room, the 10-story the building that was around the rocket was supposed to roll off of it. Yeah. So it was just the rocket sitting there, but it got delayed and then we had to leave. So after that, that was like 8 p.m. Then we had to be back out at this place at 4 a.m. to go to the launch. And so we show up this this place. We shuttle up to this view play platform view thing spot, and it was uh, dope. And there was a ton of people. And then the rocket launched. The rocket launching was the pinnacle of the uh, emotional experience. But it was like the it was cool. But it was kind of the least powerful visual part because really? it, it was so over. It was. The whole experience was so overwhelming with the emotional side. Yeah. Like, I don't think of, again, this is going back to me as a kid, I don't think of the military or, I don't know, even the NASA guys, like all of them are really excited about science or um, or rockets. Military loves rockets. They Those guys geeked out on the rocket yeah. The rocket science, and yeah. uh, which is totally that makes sense. And then the United Launch Alliance guys, it's their business to to get the rockets like launched and and put together the right way. They're the ones taking the science and build and putting it into the rocket. Or, you know, yeah. Um, but well, it's the, like the logistics of it. Totally, like, they're logistics dudes. But the the one of the head guys that. United Launch Alliance, I think his name was, um, what's his name? Fuck, dude, there were so many really good speakers on that busy day. But they, some of them were getting, like, choked up because it was such an iconic moment in, in the history of humanity that, like, the end of this successful rocket it was the last one. If this is successful, that's a hundred successful missions, and they they have a star. They put a star on for every mission on the rocket, and they used to do that. They would put a star, and then if they that was successful, the next one they put another star on the next one, and then this one they actually sent the stars out to everyone that was involved with all the other ones, and they had them sign it with a sharpie, and they stuck a hundred stars on there. It was really cool, and then they had a. Uh, they had somebody, I think somebody who was a part of the development of the original rockets, some old dude, I believe, 
came out and got to sign the side of it, of the actual rocket itself rather than just a star. It was like this emotional moment. Uh, and that was really cool. And the energy around the launch was really powerful. Me and Trey have been, so I, I, that was a lot of, lot of talking. I shot a bunch of footage. I have, uh, my story was, is conceptually kind of going to work. And I, and the last interview I got was one of, was from this, this awesome, uh, I, or glaciologist who I got to hang out with a bunch, Peter Neff. Um, and his, I just interviewed him right after the launch as the sun was coming up. We were all kind of packing up to go and all of us social people were now like hanging out, like totally buddies at this point. Mm -hmm. Everyone else was kind of leaving, waiting in this line to get shuttled away. And we were all hanging out like as pals, not going to waste our time in line because we're all here. You know, it was really this cool moment where (laughs) it was like a transformation build up to this moment. And when the launch happened, we went from being colleagues to like we've experienced something special together and it flipped. I mean, we were kind of all hanging out together before then, but it like felt, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was like we were closer. It's it, yeah. It was like a pinnacle moment that sort of, um, created a deeper, a deeper connection. Conne- yeah. A connection. It was, it was transformational, but not in the way I thought it would be. Cause me and Trey have been obsessed I'm sorry, Peter Neff. I interviewed him the very last moment. He talked about, I asked him some questions and he talked, the last thing he said was that as a scientist, he hunts for the truth. And the truth is the only thing that matters. And it was like really, he kind of ended on the sweet note and it was kind of the, the last bit of something that I needed. So now I have all this footage I'm going to try to put together in this uh, video that needs to make sense, but I'm going to cut it up into pieces. Yeah. Um, what's the, what's the significance of that though? Because uh, this whole mission I sat is about scanning the polar ice caps for a reason. And a lot of people don't believe that reason is a real reason. Yeah. I, there's a, I think that I tried to get that out of the scientists. I was like, what is the, is there controversy around this? Is there a lot of like discussion about this not being a reasonable, it was a $1 billion project. And, and that, that 1 billion extends for like the life of the satellite yeah. to be like managed and recorded. But, but like if I were an ignorant fool that didn't believe in science and fact, I'd be upset to that my tax dollars are going towards a $1 billion project. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like us putting a billion with somebody's like, we're going to spend a billion dollars to prove that, that we are on a flat earth. Everyone would be like, fuck that. Right. That's yeah. because, <laughs> but, but don't waste my fucking. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, so somebody might feel like that. And so I was just curious if, if, uh, the scientists felt any of that backlash mm. um, or, you know, the controversy around the, climate change around the dispute of fact. Yeah. And so having Peter at the end say that, that number one, he's, he's a research 
a, a, res, a researching scientist. Yeah. He gets like you're not making the big bucks when you're working at a university helping the like he's in Seattle and he's helping the professor do their research, trying to do his research as well, trying to live off grant money, and like it's it's kind of fucked up. So he he was in on the East Coast and he had to bounce to the West Coast because his grant money ran out and it, you just can't keep going. So he came out here and started doing stuff in Seattle. So the idea that people choose that path, get paid much less than they deserve, only in the pursuit of, of fact. It's like the research is the payout. Yeah. And like, that's all he, all he wants to do is get the research, put it together and share it. And he might be published. I mean, you know, he'll he'll be he'll get exposure, but but the there's there's I don't know. I think that that's a bold life choice. Yeah. And in his thing, he's like, I I only want I want the truth. I want that. And he's like, maybe I'm being naive, but but I want to get do find truths like that that I can share with everybody. You know, that's his. Yeah. I think, I don't know. I thought that was yeah. really nice. And kind of hearkening back to our last podcast, like he is putting his knowledge and experience into the pile for the rest of us to benefit from. And, and what blows my mind is that the people who are mo- the people who are doing that the most, the people who are editing Wikipedia with the highest honors of, of education, scholarship mm-hmm. are the ones that are paid sometimes the least. Yeah. That's like heartbreaking. Like think about your teachers. Oh, it has to be a cited sources from blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, you have to have sources that are broke ass education people that are just trying to do the best they can. Yeah. Or they're bored and they're like, nah, I'll just contribute for a little bit. And then they read shit and they're just like, that's not right. I'm going to fix this. And then yeah. Fucking, yeah. I don't know. It was, uh, that's like, that's the thing though. It's like people like that and people like that guy. What was his name? I'm sorry. Peter. Peter. People like Peter are contributing way more to humanity than most of us by doing something selfless where they're not getting paid a lot and they're spending a lot of time doing it. But the benefit for humanity as a whole is so much more significant than working at a fucking tech company, customer service, teaching somebody how to fucking crop their f- stupid images. Like, that's what I fucking do. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, teaching, teaching somebody how fonts work. Yeah. You know? What is font? That's, like, that is so secondary to human progress <laughs> that yeah. I can't, I, it makes me sick to think that that's what my job is where this guy is actually progressing humanity with information yeah. and data and effort. You know, that, that leads me to another, another thing I read today. Uh, Gary V again, back to Gary Vaynerchuk. He posted a thing and I've, I've read this a couple other places, but he was talking about, 
I believe he was talking about purpose and like, and fulfillment. And if you're looking for fulfillment and purpose and passion within yourself, you're always going to be miserable because you don't contain what it takes to be fulfilling on your own. Yeah. And he was saying the, the, like he gets a little preachy sometimes, which I appreciate because if there's somebody listening to anybody and they're preaching something de- half decent, why don't you listen? It's not going to hurt you. You know, it's like, yeah. we could all probably listen. Um, but he was saying that the way to find your purpose and your passion and fulfillment is to be selfless. Do something for someone else. And it's like, that's where you'll feel fulfillment. And in it's... Uh, there's irony in the fact that I went there with social media influencers, which a lot of them are, are always have the camera facing them. Like, especially like it's, if it's always photos of you doing the same pose on your Instagram, it's like, what, what's, what's the deeper, what's deeper there. It is l- quite literally skin deep. And, and if you find passion and purpose in that, more power to you. But I think all of us are feel in this modern day where we're all online, we're all connected, we're all staring at our phones, we are lacking something. It's the wholeness of, of true connection, of, tr- of contributing to humanity. That's why people do things like volunteer for Meals on Wheels, volunteer for anything. Habitat for Humanity. That's why people sit on Wikipedia and try and sincerely try to give their best information. Yeah. Or go to Antarctica to research the change in sea ice and land ice to know how it is changing and to know how high the water is going to rise in 10 years. Yeah. Because they said if all the land ice only, land ice is the thing we're afraid of. Back to the ice set too. Yeah. Sea ice is all, is all the ice, the icebergs that are sitting in the water, already displacing water. Yeah. So we're not really worried about those. But the land ice is, the, is on Antarctica's actual land. And if that melts, and it is shifting outward onto the sea ice, um, if that melts, they said that the water levels could rise 150 feet. 150 feet. That's a lot of feet. Yeah. That's like a lot of California would be underwater. You know, a lot of the South in America would be underwater. Louisiana would be gone. Louisiana would literally be flushed. We'd have a new lake or a new Gulf. Yeah, it would be. And the Gulf would go pretty far north. Um, But that's crazy. And then somebody's sitting on Antarctica or flying, they're flying daily on the, on the, the tr- and there's a plane. That's them. D- daily. They're flying from Chile down to Antarctica on this plane called the, uh, ice bridge, which is the research plane to bridge. I sat one and I sat two. Yeah. They're doing that daily 12 hour flights just to scan Antarctica. So they can keep getting the data. Bless those 
motherfuckers. It was pretty crazy. And my favorite twelve hour flights every day. I and they then they take days off on like the weekends or something. If that was your job to just fucking fly twelve hours. Twelve hours. Fuck that shit, man. But you got to remember, these people are passionate about it. Yes. So like, Peter went on. That's what I'm saying, though, is that these people are sacrificing their time extremely. And Peter's married. The rest of us to know that yeah, shit's fucked. Peter's married. His wife's also a research uh, researcher on like lake beds and stuff like that with soil which is interesting but he's he, like he's he's going down there again in december or november or december for like three months wow which is nuts uh but the other the last dude i'm gonna talk about is nathan kurtz he is the i said to deputy project deputy. scientist he was on the ice bridge mission he was on he might think he helped out with ice at one maybe um that dude Crack me up. I love seeing people who are are so into it that, that uh, they're consumed by their passion for knowledge and for their craft, literally. And like tech people do this all the time. Developers do this when they become the developer. Yeah. It's like, it's like when you transcend your human existence to become the archetype that is what, what your passion is. Like if you, it's like when you're a scientist, there's a point where you're, you get so into it, you become the mad scientist. Yeah. It's like that type of level of intensity. Uh, Nathan Kurtz was a, he was not that, he was not that in, like, he wasn't a mad scientist, but he was, he was so, the way he talked was so excited and stoked. And I record, I did interview him as well, which was really fun. Um, but check him out. Him and Brooke Medley and, Brooke, which, by the way, Brooke Medley, Brooke Medley is a NASA iScientist, Twitter, at Dr. Brooke Medley. If you watch Doctor Who, uh, Rory and um, uh, Amy. Uh, Amelia Pond's daughter, yeah. Yeah, you're right. And Amy Pond's daughter was named River Song. Yeah. This girl's name is Brooke Medley. Brook is like a river. Medley is like a song. And in, in the show, uh, River Song's other name was, um, what was it? She had another name she went by briefly. River Song alternate name. Melody Pond. Melody Pond. That was her other name. River Song, Melody Pond. River song Brooke Mel- Melody Brooke Brooke Medley Medley, which is like that's that's a type of song. I, yeah, I, was, <laughs> I feel like the, I heard that name. I was like, what? <laughs> like, is that for real? So, if you don't watch Doctor Who with Matt Smith, why don't you go do that? I think that's on Netflix. Starts at season five. Starts at season five. Sundays at five. <laughs> That's that's it. Okay, so I'm back from uh, NASA. That was really moving and epic, and I will never forget it. It reminded me a lot of the being in the path of totality at the eclipse. Yeah, that type of powerful moment um, with the people I was with. And you're gonna make a dope video. Dope video coming. Yeah, I've posted a couple of them to Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Uh, the the little recaps, but I'm gonna make one that's like it's like a 
thing. The whole thing. Uh, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna tie it all together in a cyclical way. Cyclical. Uh-huh. Yeah, I like that. Does all people care about is a launch? It's gonna start at the launch. And then go. Yeah. So, uh, so that was really exciting. I'm happy to be back because there's no Wi-Fi out there, and it was very difficult to do anything. Yeah. Um, I set two. Look it up. Look it up. I'm so stoked for you that you got to do that. Um, I'm surprised. Like, I'm, I'm. I'm not surprised. I'm a. I'm ecstatic that you took a chance to write to fucking NASA to be like, I want to do this. And then they picked you and then you did it and you came back with some dope footage. I think I might use my letter in the video. Yeah. Um, But that was another really powerful part that me and almost everyone there felt is like that the concept that if you don't ask you'll never hear yes. If you, it's like, if you don't play and you don't try to play, you're not going to win. And so just asking the worst that can happen will be the same as you not asking. Yeah. So if you ask and they say no, well, no different than it would have been if I didn't ask, but I was bold. I, I put myself out there. Now they know my name at least. When, you have, when they have to say no to you, that means they have to know who you are to say no to. <laughs> uh, but then the best that can happen is they say yes. And that's 50-50. That's I mean, the, 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 odd, the odds between yes and no are probably not 50-50 when they're dealing with data. But there's two answers to, to your question. Yeah. Yes or no. There's nothing else. And for me, they said, they actually did not say yes right away. They said, you're on the waiting list. And then, like, two days later, you're off the waiting list. We accept you. And everyone, most of the people there were totally just like me. Yeah. Like, there was a couple people that had, like, 275,000 followers on Instagram. And they weren't even, they, I don't even think they were at the launch. They would seem kind of bored by the whole thing, which part of it seemed a little boring. But uh, it was like, don't, <laughs> I don't know. You don't get opportunities if you don't ask for them. And there were people on this trip that were shocked that they were there. Yeah. More shocked than I was. Yeah. And it, like, that's kind of interesting. Like, if if you're, if you're presented with an opportunity where... If failing or or not not being able to pursue the opportunity is the same as not even considering it at all. I mean, you might as well. It's a net gain just to put yourself out there, and and, and, yeah. and that's that's kind of how I felt about like my interview a couple of weeks ago, like I have nothing to lose. Like I can put myself out there and like go through the interviews and like, maybe I'll get a, maybe I'll get a better position. Maybe I'll get a promotion and get paid more and get to do cooler stuff. But if not, it's the same as if I didn't do anything at all. 
And it's like, if you're ever presented with opportunities like that, just fucking, fucking go for it because you have nothing to lose. Not doing anything is the same as not as, as trying and failing. That's kind of the same with our music. Well, yeah. It's, you know, like we have nothing to lose by putting fucking music out there. We have nothing to lose. The, the, the trick is that people are wired a way that is stupid. People are wired to be terrified of embarrassment and, and failure. And that's dumb because if you don't, I don't know, if you, if you try and you don't succeed, so what? So, like if you, if you try, go ask somebody out. But I've just read this new book and it's so good. It's by Mel Robbins. It's called The Five Second Rule. Okay, now, dude, I'm going to tell you about it really quick, and then I'm going to give you context to how fucking crazy it is that I read this book. I started reading it the day of the launch. After it launched, I went back to my Airbnb, fell asleep for like two hours, got up, and then like went out and read this read this book. So the book is about Mel Robbins talks. She's dope. She's a uh, she's look her up, Mel Robbins. Um, she talks about how to break negative cycles, how to and, and how to get out of your fear, get out of your bad habits. It's all by this five second rule. Okay. And one of the things she talks about, she's like, okay, let's say there's that you. She she uses these stories too of real people, but she's like, okay. There's this guy at the bar. He his wife left him a month or two earlier, and he's there with his friends. He sees this woman, and he's like, oh my god. I have to go talk to her. But of course, the second, if you don't do it right away, you start questioning yourself. Little, little bits at a time. And then if you let that happen, you'll immediately start giving yourself reasons why you can't. Yeah. Right. But what she says is like, okay, if you can get yourself to do it by her rule, then there he is. He decides, he gets, he, he overcomes it with this, with what she says, which you should read the book. Um, and he walks up to her and then face to face, they come together. And then what happens next? And she's like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what happens next. If she, she, it's like, she might've had a, been engaged or had a boyfriend or been a lesbian or been a total asshole. It's like, it doesn't matter what happens next. What matters is that he got over the fear. And, and the point is like, if you put yourself out there, you either win or you don't, and it's the same as it was before. It's like you can only move, you're only moving up. And there's not very many opportunities where you put yourself out there. And then if you lose, you're actually brought, you lose your house all of a sudden. <laughs> and then, you know what I mean? Like you're, now you're, you're down further. Like it's not like gambling. Yeah. When it's like getting over your fear of, of failure. Yeah. It's, it's only, like you said, it's only gains. Yeah. No losses. Yeah. The loss is, is embarrassment for one second, but you felt like an asshole before you went out and talked to that chick anyways. So it's like, you, now you just know you are an asshole. I don't know. But <laughs> so here's confirmation that you're an asshole. Dude, here's the crazy part of this book. I, I, no context. I, it was a top, like a top uh, suggestion for me. So I got it on the audiobook. and I was walking along the beach near, uh, near where I was at, listening to it while the sun was setting and she was talking. And she was talking about how she came up with this idea of the five-second rule, okay? And she was, 
like stuck in bed, depressed. Her her that her and her husband's finances were like falling to shit, and she couldn't get out of bed. Like she was just like depressed and frustrated, and so she and she would drink every night and like whatever. One night when she was get, having a drink, getting ready to go to bed, um, she was walking by the TV, and what was on TV? This is the night after the launch. What was on the TV? A rocket launching. And she's, she stopped and was watching it. And literally, they were doing the countdown. Which is, in my videos, you can hear the countdown. In the ones I post on Instagram. It's, that is, that's the moment that's the heaviest. The approval thing. The last five seconds. Well, yeah, exactly. And she was listening. It's like five, four, three, two, one. Lift off. Lift off. And then she had a revelation that flipped. Everything flipped. And she went to bed and she's like, tomorrow I'm getting out of bed early and I'm getting my shit done. And then when she, she woke up, she was like, uh, and then in her head, she was like resistant to getting up. She was like, before she could start thinking about why the excuses, she was five, four, three, two, one. And she fucking just went. And it's like a psychological science driven process that she found by happenstance. It's like, yeah, it's like it distracts your mind. Five seconds of counting distracts you from excuses and then you go and it changed her life. And then she started pushing further and further into it and she started teaching it. And then she started using it for instead of just physically moving to emotional changes and, she, and so if you're like feeling worried about something, worrying is like my biggest fucking issue. I worry all the time. And she, she was talking about it. She's like, if I'm worrying about my daughters or whatever, it's like, I can't do anything. I'm not helping them by worrying. I'm just making myself miserable. So when it happens, I just stop. Five, four, three, two, one. It is okay. Like you, you pause in mindset. You focus back on what's real. And she was able to like... Twist it from physical, physical changes in her life to the emotional ones. And the, it was crazy. And they talk about all these stories. And I was walking on the beach while the sun was setting. It was insanely beautiful. And I was having a moment. And she, I, this book I happened to pick up. And I'm, I'm trying to like make these better steps in my life. And then she talks about that. Like the rocket launch is how this started. And the same with like... Tw- I don't, it was probably 14 hours after or something, 12 hours after the actual rocket launch I actually saw. What are the coincidences of, or the, the, you know, that is a coincidence. What, yeah. what are the odds of that? That's fucking crazy, man. And it make it makes perfect sense. Like you, you, you stifle your self doubt before it can happen. You know what I mean? But like in, in, in the excuses and in the, the internal dialogue, you're just like, like, nope, we're doing this. But with, and, with and, something so basic. Yeah. That's the crazy part. It's like if you're afraid of ghosts or that's okay, ghosts are a little bit, I'm but if you're terrified of, of rattlesnakes while you're hiking and you start freaking out and instead you're just like blue, yellow, pink, green and then you're like i'm fine now 
<laughs> There's no snakes. Yeah, that seems so stupid, but for some reason, the emotion behind counting down is really powerful. Yeah, like you're counting hey. down. You're counting down to something. My screen, my background just changed, and Trey liked it. Sorry, <laughs> I didn't mean to like it. Unlike. Um, Anyways, I'm. How long is that book? It. I'll share it with you. It is, it, I literally read it in one day. That sounds amazing. And I read it again. And hey, she put her shit into the pile. And she's not a writer. Like this is, she talks a lot about that, that idea of like, what if I don't get it? What if I can't do it? What if, what if, what if? She's like, so what? It doesn't matter. All that doesn't matter. If you're, if you're, if you're showing up, if you're getting out of bed, and you're showing up and you're you're putting yourself out there getting over your fear you are growing and you will get it the yeah. people it talks about people in the book that get jobs that they're wildly not uh qualified for mm-hmm. and it, and it's because they went put themselves out there anybody can grow if somebody asks you to be the freaking head of development at a uh, fucking NASA I don't know for their web stuff it's like Oh, I don't know. It's like, let me see what you've done. It's like, that doesn't matter. Yeah. If you talk to them and show them who you are and what you can do, and they're like, we want you. You're like, but what about what I've done? Yeah. I haven't done enough. It's like, no, it's not what you've done that we want. It's you that we want. Yeah. And that's why putting yourself out there is so important. Yeah. It's because people don't really care about what you've done. They care about who you are. But the only way to get through a stack of resumes is by looking at what they've done. Yeah. And that sucks because a lot of people hire people that are, that just fucking suck. You've done all this shit, but you suck. Why do you suck so bad? You know, it's like that happens all the time. They're like, well, you are not a right, the right fit for these people. And it's because what you've, what you've done doesn't matter. It's what you can do and what who you are. Yeah. And the fact that you responded to the opportunity. Well, it's, well that's, that's the key. It's but like, especially if it's a special way. Yeah. If you saw somebody on the street, if you saw the head of NASA digital, I don't know what, what parts, I don't even know what the parts of NASA are, but saw the head of their digital web stuff and they're like, we're looking for top, the, 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 the management of all of this. You saw them and you're like, man, I've got ideas. I, I'm so glad I met you. Like, I'm stoked about this job. I'm applying. Uh, I'd love to hear what you're telling me, but I have all these ideas. Let me tell you some ideas. And they're running. Let's say they're jogging. You're running in your suit for your shitty job. You're running next to them just to keep up. And they're li- willing to listen only if you jog. It's like, that's that's the type of shit that they will never forget. Yeah. And you're adding value to what they're trying to do. You're solving their problem for them. And you're going out of your way. It's like, that's... Come on. <laughs> you know? You just like, yeah. the opportunities present themselves and if it's up to you to take advantage of them or not. And you don't have to, but it could be way more interesting if you do. Opportunities are not going to come and find you sitting in your room alone. If you're sitting there waiting, they're not going to come hunting for you. Yeah. They're there to be hunted. You have to go and do it. 
and our, just like our music, like the way we're doing this is like we're releasing it because we've heard enough of it. Yeah. Well, we've heard plenty enough of our current album. But like the goal is like we share our music because we want it to affect or positively, you know, um, reach someone. It doesn't matter who it is. If it's you, that's awesome. But it's it touched us. So maybe it will touch you. Very touchy. <laughs> Super touchy. And if we don't put it out there what we just think of what if what what if people did like it what if people hated it it's like well nobody's heard it so nobody cares <laughs> literally nobody thinks about you yeah and nobody thinks about your music it's just sitting on your computer in a drive that says release in 2012 and we are only six years late yeah underscore x underscore final final <laughs> Ah, that's too real. It is real. Um, So you've touched NASA in the real world. Um, I wanted to also uh, talk about some of the ways that um, NASA and science and astrophysicists have sort of impacted our... uh, or inspired our music a little bit. Um, Cause I mean, a, a lot of our songs that we write, like obviously we're super dumb nerds about like science shit and space. And like a lot of our songs reference space travel and, and time travel and like a lot of these cool themes. And that's part of the, part of the reason why the beyond that movie was so cool for us is because we're already into all that shit. But we do, um, we do have uh, a lot of. We create a lot, a lot of things that are inspired by stuff like that. Um, so I, I kind of wanted to talk about um, some of the tracks that we've we've written. Yeah. That are have been inspired by real life science. Why don't you, yeah, why don't you talk about our, our second album and, second and album. what, what the bigger theme is about, and then we'll jump into the specific song. Okay. Um, so our, let's start with the first album. We, we sort of touched on this a, a couple podcasts ago where, um, we, the this the overall theme of of the first album from satellites is sort of um both an an escapism sort of um metaphor where you know you're you're escaping you're you're getting aboard a rocket ship and you're blasting off into space to escape the troubles of earth um but at the same time like the that album is is there's a lot of songs there uh for just like a lot, a lot of troubling things about humanity and um, life itself. And then the next album we re-released is called uh, Twin Paradox, which was heavily inspired by uh, science fiction and science fact. Um, we in, in this album we sort of uh, 
take the, the concept of time travel as a means to escape, as a means to fix things, because we've already um, sort of outlined the problems and the, and the troubles of, of uh, reality and life in the first album. Twin Paradox sort of uh, takes those themes and um, abstracts them to the science fiction realm where you you solve problems by um, altering reality itself. And so the, the title Twin Paradox uh, is a reference to a paradox that is... Um, a true paradox. A, tr- a true paradox with, with time travel where you have um, two identical twins who um, one stays on earth and one travels at light speed or is any kind of space travel where there's a variance in gravitational uh, space time basically. And so the, the paradox is that you have identical twins who are genetically the same, but because one has been through, um, in this case, uh, a wormhole. A, a wormhole or, or some kind of gravitational disturbance. They age slower or faster than their identical twin. So that's that's the paradox. Um, and, and just a side note, the paradox was actually just... Some form of it was just seen with one of the most recent astronauts that came back to Earth. He has a twin, the bald dude. I forget his name. Uh, but... Because he was in space, the, the, the difference in literally being on Earth and orbiting Earth is enough to cause effects of the twin paradox. And, it, it, and the twin that was in space came back and his, his physiological uh, structure of his cells is now different than his... His identical twin. Different than his identical twin. So the um, twin paradox is real. Yes. There, there, there's real... And so the concept is if, if you sent one twin... Are, around the Earth isn't that uh, intense of a gravitational change, but if you sent one twin towards a black hole, close to it, and then brought him back, the other twin would be... Older. Years. Years ahead. Much like on the movie Interstellar, when... Uh, Matthew McConaughey goes to that planet that's near the black hole and he comes back and now he's, he's young and his daughter's old. The idea that two twins, two twins are easy to, to, ju- to judge off of because they're the same. They're genetically Genet- almost identical. Yeah, so, so one twin goes, he comes back, he is literally younger than his twin now. Yeah. And so... Uh, so we, we, we were inspired by that idea um, we're, we were inspired by time travel in general as sort of this con this concept of like a means to correct the past and to, or, or to wait until it's better. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or to, you, you either go backward in time to fix mistakes like in back to the future or whatever, or you go forward in time to escape the trouble of the present. Like Futurama. Like Futurama. <laughs> Which is, yeah. So um, that's kind of the, that's the overall idea of the, of the album 
um, obviously not all the songs like sort of fit into that, but the, uh, the, the main track, the, the main two tracks of this album, uh, one is called the time machine, which is sort of like introducing the concept of building a time machine and using it to, um, to escape, which is sort of the theme and inviting the girl, like the girl is in loose, yeah, the other we, the other person yeah. to come with you in just like in our first album, we had a, uh, the first song was called Rocket Ships, which is about us building a spaceship. First track in this album is called The Time Machine. We're inviting the girl to go with us in a time machine. Maybe this will fix all of our issues, you yeah. know. And this this is a little bit heavier and less lighthearted than than Rocket Ships because um, there's a there's a part in the song. There's like a sort of refrain. Um, where we have uh, a friend of ours, Rachel Broach, who's, who did the vocals for this part, but where the female character um, sort of is a little bit more uh, grounded in the in the in the situation where she she sort of sees through the 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 vein or the, or the uh, she sort of sees through the the veil, the, the the plan. Yes, to see that it's not really going to fix anything. So she she sort of um, talks about her regrets and how running away and es- escapism is not the answer to address the the problems that we all have, the problems and the regrets. And no matter where you go in time. Your memories are what stick with you and your actions in the past are what stick with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, there's, there's sort of a, a heavy moment there where um, she sort of brings it back to reality where, and, and we'll, we'll listen to that. And what was the other song that you were out of time? Oh yes. Out of time is the last track. And that one is sort of, a sobering theme where um, the main character or whatever, the, 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 the dude or the, the main character dude who's built this time machine sort of um, starts to realize that escaping time or that the time itself is the problem that, no matter what you do, time sort of deteriorates your happiness and your success and everything you, you care about, everything that you value deteriorates over time and that time is the enemy. And that escaping time, no matter how reckless it might be, escaping time is uh, the goal. Um, so that one's called Out of Time. These are all on Spotify. Check us out. Ask you in gray, G-R-A-Y. Um, album Twin Paradox released in 2013. These are way back. Um, but the, the, the album as a whole sort of sets the stage of like, uh, from satellites, there's sort of a theme of like, hey, like, come with me and we'll escape this terrible mm-hmm. place. Twin Paradox is more of, of, of like a, I am literally 
I'm literally breaking reality in desperation to fix our problems. It's not a fun, like escape, like let's come with me and we'll sure. go to better. Th- we'll, we'll move on to better stuff. It's more of like a, like a, I'm so desperate for things to be better and for things to be right that I'm willing to literally bend reality. Bend space time. Bend space to fi- time. To find, to find a place that works. To fix it. And yeah. To, yeah and, and to go to, and, and to find the promise that we never found in the first album. And this is important. It sort of sets the stage of of this mistake that's been made. Yeah. Where you you start you start fucking with time, you start fucking with with reality and it it starts to kind of create a bigger problem. Yeah. And the bigger problem started on the first album in the first track is that there's already a problem. So this is this is just we're digging the hole deeper. A lot deeper. And you don't you don't find resolution when you're buried. No. Um, we also, we made a, a music video for The Time Machine, which um, that was probably one of the biggest um, video productions that we've made. At, yeah, that um, was a... We had Brad... Brad, Brad Norton Brad, helped us. Brad he's, Norton. He's a videographer in Portland. He did some camera work for us. Um, we had Rachel Broach, who sang on the album. She she played the female character in the in mm-hmm. the video, and Nick was the male character in the video. Um, but the video itself, um, we have it on YouTube. YouTube.com uh, slash ask you in gray g r a y. Um, but the video, uh, it, it's kind of a depiction of like. There's the video is a little different than the than the conceptual story in the album. What I, I love about the video is the video starts out with like the guy and the girl meeting at a bar. Yeah, and this is this was uh, we <laughs> this is a long time ago we made these, but we're I'm very proud looking back on this for yeah. this being a homegrown type of thing. So we meet the girl at the bar. Uh, it's all going great. The proposal, like life starts to get normal, which is like normal means bickering. Normal means conflict. Normal means you have to deal with your shit. Yeah, living together and being in yeah. the same space together and, and kind of just like figuring out that the other person's kind of a dick. Or the life is real. <laughs> life takes work. Yeah. And 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 uh I will say that I as a human was not willing to put in the work to make the hard stuff work. You know? Mm-hmm. And so the the video showing like the mundane being like frustrating and then it's just then the solution is to build this thing, add excitement, add something new. Yeah. Make it make it like the honeymoon again, the honeymoon phase. Yeah. Like, and so it shows like us building this thing. Yeah, and what's interesting is this sort of even references the the final track, which is out of time, where it's like 
through time, the things that make you happy start deteriorating and becoming dull and less exciting. So it's almost like the video and, and the story in the video sort of references the final track out of time where it's like th- through time, this relationship sort of deteriorates and becomes boring and becomes conflicting. And the solution is to invigorate it through either going back in time to change the course of things or going forward in time to escape yeah. the mundane to, well, bullshit. To see how good it can be. Yeah. See how good it gets. Yeah. And it's like, well, you if you don't, uh, if you don't put the work in, it's not gonna get good. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, so check that out on YouTube. Um, yeah. we'll throw a link in the description. Uh, for that video, and we'll throw a, a Spotify link in the description too, so you can freaking check those out. Um, another thing I want to say though, um, but at the end of the video, at the end of the time machine video, that the 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 flip in the whole story. This is a little. This is a little different than the story in our albums. We're doing we do concept albums, so all of these stories have been connected. But in the video, uh, I basically build this time machine. There's all this flashing lights and shit. And then it goes back through all the moments when me and the girl, me and Rachel were together and I'm not there, but there's a ghost of me there. It's like the ghost of what happened. We're, we're changing what happened. Mm-hmm. Where it's, it, the concept is maybe I went back and changed something. Yeah. Or you're and, just not there. Well, because, well, but I like, we already showed these clips. So it had to be like, I went back and changed, changed. Uh, yeah. I'm not there. Yeah. So now those moments didn't happen. Yeah. It it kind it it the the ghost of what happened is there, but it didn't happen. Yeah. And then at the end, we start at the same clip as the beginning, and instead of me, it's it's another guy. It's somebody else. Brad. And that's and that's Brad Norton, the guy who helped us shoot, <laughs> shoot this. That was the cameraman. We're like, right we now. need another guy. And we're like, Brad, sit down. You're in there. You look cute. Yeah. You look like a cute dude. And bless you, Rachel, for being part of it. You were yeah. amazing, and your voice is great. You did great on you the video. Great. Yeah, sounds good. You you folded clothes really great with me. You in had the a video. lot of con- you had a lot of contempt we would, contempt for Nick, and that was and I appreciate essential. You, yeah, I appreciate the any contempt people have for me. Um, so uh, check out the video. I liked I liked how as a as a one off piece I liked how this ended. Yeah, that this this is it's heavy. Like uh, I always kind of get chills when I watch that and the end comes up. I get chill. We we get chills basically and a little teary eyed at most of the big moments in our albums together. Even if we're sitting here together, me and Trey kind of just bite our knuckles, lean back. We take all our clothes off and we just kind of lube each other up a little bit and roll around on the floor just wrestling and crying. Wrestling in a in just lathered up tears. Do you want to play the play the track? Yeah, we'll play the track. We'll find our weakness 
this In future tense our lives look sweetest So hop in the time machine Accelerate to the perfect speed We're looking back who needs the present What lies ahead is so much better Are you ready for the time of your life? Cause we'll be moving near the speed of light We'll be moving near the speed Of our miserable lives We can bend the space around us Find you something more than justice We'll just make the stars align We'll be shooting through a gap in time We'll be shooting through a gap Traveling, 60 years we'll make our way, 100 just to play it safe. And while we're traveling, while time's unraveling, you and me will make this right. We'll solve it in the afterlife. And while we're traveling, and while we're traveling, 60 years we'll make our way, 100 just to play it safe. And while we're traveling, while time's unraveling, you and me will make this right. We'll solve it in the afterlife.
the it? time machine. Um, Trey, remember what he was going to say? I, I remember what I was going to say, and I wanted to talk about this. But first, I wanted to also shout out a couple of other contributors to that album. Um, Ali Johnson played cello uh, during the low part, the drop During out. the build, kind of. Um, we also had Brian and Olivia Brunt from Sucker for Lights, who did some vocals on that album as well. Yeah, and while we're traveling part. Um, so thank you to all those people, Rachel Broach as well. Um, for, she sang as well, or on those yeah. layered parts as well. For uh, their help with creating that. Um, it's always fun to like collaborate with people and, and to help have, have people help you with what, what you're passionate about. Um, and come, come into our home studio to like throw down some tracks. So we appreciate all you people. Um, what I was going to talk about though, is, uh, our, our marketing. Yeah. Our press release for this album was something that we, it sort of falls in line with what we were talking about where you just kind of like, there's no loss in putting yourself out there. Right. And so, like, our press pack that we sent when we released this album, um, it contained our our CD. It contained some some swag, right? Um, but it also contained this uh, cryptic letter that we wrote, which was, like, sort of like a... It was like a marketing thing where we were sort of talking about the album, but, like, it was up. Sort of, t- like, we we printed this sort of tattered like document with like symbols on it that looked like sort of a military uh, official military document with like redacted mm-hmm. information. Like there were parts of it that were like blacked out, like it was redacted because it was confidential or whatever. That was our, that was our, uh, that was our press release uh, yeah, copy, so, yeah. I guess. Um, but we actually wish we sent to like all the up and down the West coast. We sent to all the radio stations. We sent to reviewers. We sent to all those people, but we also sent a press, a press pack to Stephen Hawking, who was a big inspiration for this song. Actually, like some of the stuff that we talk about in this song about the method of time travel, like, like traveling near the speed of light, um, some of the some of the uh the 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 science that we drop in that in the lyrics of that of that song our 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 sound by the astrophysicists that we've looked into yeah. so like we we did a lot of research on what what we can actually do and and the concept of traveling faster than the speed of light is was is theoretically impossible but the closer you get to the speed of light, like that, or you can, it, it's almost like a, a curve. What's it called? It's an exponential curve that you can get close and closer and closer to the speed of light. But theoretically you cannot go faster than it. Yeah. I don't necessarily believe that, but, um, but we're trying to follow the rules of, we figure yeah. physicists have, yeah. have put some time in. Yeah. So like, we, we sort of read, about like Stephen Hawking's uh, comments on time travel and like that kind of stuff. So, so we, we figured it would be appropriate 
like even if he never fucking read it, never saw it, didn't care about it or anything, we wanted to send a copy to him because he inspired us so much about with his ideas to explore this topic and write a song that we were super passionate about. So we sent him a copy of our press pack um, and we can only, only imagine that maybe he saw it or listened to it or whatever, but it doesn't really matter. The fact is that we put ourselves out there and we we shared our creation with somebody who inspired us greatly. Yeah. And that was really powerful of an idea for us at least to attempt at least to share our, our uh, music. And our next, our new album that's coming out, we will share with in detail with, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, mm-hmm. and we will try to connect with him because because the, the if he if he is like Neil deGrasse Tyson's a big nerd and he's a social junkie too, so it's kind of perfect. But his our new album is inspired our entire band name, our, well, which we have not talked about, but um, is he is a huge inspiration. Like it, the thing is that. Science drives our thoughts on what reality can be. The the facts in science and the theories in science are what drives uh, what what we the stories some some of the stories we tell. So, uh, and I think that Neil deGrasse Tyson might be one of the most grounded astrophysicists that has ever existed, maybe, possibly, or at least maybe he, it's the only one that's come to light. Uh, rest in peace, Stephen Hawking, because. Yeah. We sent that in 2013. We're so... I remember printing out the labels for all those press packs. I remember it like it was five years ago. <laughs> I remember it. And I, I, there's that feeling of like, do I even want to send these to these people? Because what if? What if this? It's like, fuck that, dude. Number one, they get free shit. Number two, if they don't like it, that's fine. I don't, I'll never know. They're not going to call me and tell me, hey, you sent me this. I hate Fuck it. Fuck you. <laughs> it's like, come on. Like, they, like they'll, the, the sentiment is pure. Mm. And, and we're, we're paying homage to, to his mind. So at the time, it's like, come on. He was not in our target demographic. No. Uh, but I, he was a huge inspiration for the ideas behind what we wrote, though. Yeah, and and think about if Stephen like science is perfect. Science is great because science, science scientists have to publish their stuff and get it peer reviewed to be accredited as like a, a solid source of of what they've thought about and and theorized. Okay. That means they have to put themselves, their crazy ideas that might go against what everyone else says, they have to put themselves out there in order to be accredited in their field. You don't get become an accredited scientist until you put yourself out there. And we are putting ourselves out there even to the scientists because ours, ours is a little less objective. And that's okay. The the concepts we're proud of because they're based on accredited sources. Yeah. Uh, But the music is subjective and that's okay. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. We're proud of we're proud of this album. Um I feel like this is kind of where we sort of started to um explore something that's bigger than what the music is. Sure. There's a I lot will. of there's a lot of songs on here where we sort of I mean, we spent hours dis- like writing lyrics to some of these songs we where, do, where we, yeah. we wanted them to be like end of the line. We spent hours writing the lyrics to that song. And that's one of my favorite songs we've written because the lyric, the lyrical depth and metaf- metaphorical meaning to that song is so solid. And that was one of the songs where I'm just like, where I kind of feel like that's kind of the beginning of something bigger than what we were. Yeah. And we, we had, we wrote from satellites. It was a transition for us from Colorado to Chicago to Portland. Yeah. And it's almost like from satellites was like, it was like, there was a hint of the bigger picture, but twin paradox, there was some deliberate decisions that we've made in some of those songs where we're like, we need to rethink this and we need to solidify what this is. And, and we spent so much time on some of those songs that we were able to be like, okay, there is a bigger picture. Now let's, let's, let's craft the song to tell that picture. It's almost like, instead of it, just like, there's a, there's, there's something bigger that's happening that we're kind of out of control. It's kind of out of our control. Twin paradox is where we started sort of kind of taking the reins and sort of being like, let's, let's pull this in and explore this, this idea. Right. And I think what we did that five second rule book, I swear to Christ, you should read it. But what we did is we stopped listening solely to our emotions it's easy to write songs about how you feel. Feelings are fast. Feelings are powerful. Feelings are stupid. I, the, the, if you let feelings drive everything, you're just going to be a hot mess. You have to take charge and then leverage the power of your feelings. In our early tracks, are all, I mean, it's, that's what musicians do. How do you feel? Ah, I feel what? Oh, I'm sad. Here's a sad song. Oh, I'm happy. Here's a happy song. But it, once you hone hone the, the the content to something and for musicians maybe you consider coming up with a concept album concepts concept albums if you can create a universe create your own universe around your stories it creates a world that your emotions can live in not a world of emotion and we we started in in our first album. All of our tracks are very uh, emotional, and that's how it, the whole idea of escapism is so emotional. But once we wrapped it into this world that is not us, is not me and Trey. It is it is the world we created. It is we've taken it and put it in a bubble. It lives in that bubble. It does not come out of that bubble. We dip in to put a little more in, and that's it. And then Twin Paradox is where we really put the glass casing on that bubble. And that world is rich and real. The story is, has depth. And, and we, we, over the years, have developed this rich story that is so fucking good. 
and traded a lot of this work, and I just am enjoying it. I'm enjoying the fruits of his labor. Uh, but the the story of this world is so good that we could write ten albums on this world, and we're we are leveraging the emotion, but not letting the emotion control us. So our tracks can be thoughtful. We can revise them objectively because we see the world it lives in. Not we're upset that the words are changing because that's how I felt, man. It's like, fuck you. The world is in this glass orb that we've sealed with a fucking yeah. kiss, man. It's like, that's the world. We, 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 we get to disconnect from the radical emotions we all feel and let it be its own thing. Like, imagine if you're just a fucking hot mess and you have a anxiety attacks and you're, you're, you're breaking up with who knows who and getting together with somebody else and there's, there's people cheating and everything's wrong and your boss is an asshole. It's like, fuck that, dude. That's too much emotion. The, all that shit that's happening, you have a relationship. It sucks. But that's a relationship. You have a job. That might suck, too. But the, those pieces are not emotional. You're just letting the emotion overtake you. Yeah. As a creator, confine that emotion and get it off of you. Put it in a bubble. Let that bubble live as a universe of inspiration. Yeah. Condense not, it into a story. Totally. Put it in a story that you can tell rather than a nightmare that you live. I think that that's what we've done. And I don't think we live, I, I literally think I lived a nightmare for a while and it was hard. That's what gold is about. <laughs> but, it, well, but, but, but gold is coming out of a nightmare. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but like, I, I think that the dis, disconnecting from your emotions, letting them be, but letting them be useful, not overwhelming that's kind of what pushed us to that's that's where this album twin paradox is where we learned that yes is we learned how to take our emotions and put it into a larger context of a, a story and that story has been continuing and it's it's heavily influenced our album that we're working on now our album now is the is the culmination of everything. Yeah, like we are, we are we are ending the Askew and Gray story. The Askew and Gray story, but we're telling the is, rest of it. Yes, the Askew and Gray story is over because Askew and Gray was part one. What's part two? You'll see soon. But but this that was just the first act. Yeah. So I we hope you like that song. Uh, check us out. You can listen to the whole thing, a whole album on on Spotify. And the and that tra- the last track, Out of Time, is really cool. Chip Chip Tooney. There's some chip tune in there. Here we'll play just a second of it. It's like fucking NES. The huge refrain. The song's seven and a half minutes long. It's it's uh, it is the resolution and revolution of the whole album. And it spoiler alert. It kind of loops back into the first track. So the 
the yeah. end of the end of the seventh track on the album sort of it, it reintroduces the beginning of the first track. It is the whole album is a complete loop in, on purpose because it is a time loop, which that is part of the story that will come back up in Act Two. Um, yeah, it's really fun. Some of those songs on here are really uh, they're really fun. They're really good. Um, and we had it, some really great featured people on here. Yeah, so we, really we had a lot of collaboration on this album, which I'm, I'm proud of, like having Brian and Olivia help out, Rachel, Rachel, Allie, Mercy um, sang on Yeah, Mercy, Lockdown. my wife, is on the track, which is hilarious. She, I think she's in the credits. I don't know if the credits are. No, she's in are, the credits. I don't think the credits are on Oh, no. She's, she's in the disc jacket, for sure. Yeah. We did put all the names on there, but um, yeah, so that's just really, it's exciting to, it's, it's exciting to listen back on these tracks where we are now because we see where we've come and that the, it validates that our ideas were solid and that the music we are making is always growing, but our ideas are developing and growing too. And we get to see that we had some ideas that are I would say pretty damn good because we're still rolling with them. Yeah. And then they feel really powerful still. Um, so uh, music producers, you know, try doing a, a concept album, make a universe of your own, especially if you're going through some shit, like wrap that up in a ball. Yeah. Take it off of your shoulders. Don't carry that weight around, like make it work for you, <laughs> not against you. And then, then you have a whole universe of emotions and stories and terrible events and fights that you can write to. It's like you can't you 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 can't buy yeah. good ideas like that. Yeah. You have the ideas. Just there's a there's a part of yourself in it, but at the same at the same time you're separating yourself from it to where you can expand on the emotion. You can expand on the the. Uh, the ideas behind the emotion. And the power of those emotional ideas only comes if you're looking at it from as a third person. Mm. You have to be you have to be an objective observer of your own misery to be able to tell the story really well. Yeah. Give it to some other asshole and then just I, yeah, well give it to yeah, make what? up the asshole. Give it give all the misery to him. And then you get to be the dude that's just like Dude, you're either you're either saying that you, that he yourself is an asshole and an idiot, or that he is a suffering somebody. Yeah, but yeah, like yeah. and through that, there's healing. Totally. Even though you're just making music about some made up fictional story. Yeah, because we artists are freaking tortured because they are they are hurt and they are expressing their hurt. They're happy. They express their their happiness. So how uh, like. Get out from under the rock that is emotional, emotional baggage, and let that be a pillar of your creation. Condense it in a crystal ball, and then that crystal ball is your world. <laughs> yeah, just look into it and get inspired. Anyway, I think that, that that's a good place to end it. Yeah, uh, we Thank talked you. a lot. Thank you for listening so much. I know I talked a lot about NASA, but uh, it was really powerful. Um, check out Peter Neff. He's a glaciologist. Check out 
the other people I talked about. Um, and check out the video and the song that we just talked about, Time Machine, on our album, Twin Paradox. Thanks, y'all. Thank you. This has been Off the Record with Nick and Trey, episode five. Shit. Bye. Bye. This is off the record, right?